Alright, welcome to the Music Hole Podcast. First episode of 2021. Well, the first recorded episode of 2021 because we dropped our top 10 list in 2021. But that doesn't matter. We're here, it's a new year, and uh, today we're going to have a pretty cool episode that will become a recurring uh, thing for the new year where we occasionally dive into albums from the past that are celebrating some sort of milestone anniversary uh, we are calling these episodes uh cuts from the wormhole to start off with for the show we're gonna go ahead and say follow us on twitter at the musical pod follow us on instagram at the musical podcast and take a peek at our Patreon if you feel so inclined to give us uh, a couple of your hard-earned dollars at uh, patreon.com slash themusical. Uh, if you drop a dollar, we'll talk about you personally right here, right now. And if you drop more than that, uh, there's more tiers that you can, uh, you know, get. You can be on the show for an episode. You can give us albums to review. But that's all I got for starting her off. Starting her off. Uh, let me bring the the homies on, uh, Bijan and Jay. Happy New Year! Welcome to uh, a, a new year, a new me's, perhaps. No, I don't know about a new me, but same here. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> same here, same me. I base every year based off of my birthday, as opposed to um, the actual year itself. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do things differently. <laughs> just built different. We're simply built different, boys. <laughs> We're just built diff. You know, you got, you know, that stimmy hit, and suddenly you're built different. You know. I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, the the six hundred dollars. Oh, that it stimmy. Do, it does not for me. <laughs> yeah, you know the stimmy. It does. It does. It does not for me. Uh, New Year music news, so we'll start off with that really quick. I only got two things to talk about today. Uh, New Humanity's Last Breath song, it's pretty good. Uh, it wasn't as good as the last one. I think the last one was called Tide. I really liked that one. Had some cool dynamic to it. This one is just uh, standard par for the course for Humanity's Last Breath. The interesting thing about this, though, is that there are some teasers being put out of drums being recorded for the new Viljarda album, so hopefully this year we'll finally get that, but... It is kind of fitting with Viljarda's timeline to drop a teaser of something for the new album at like the beginning of the year and then not do anything the rest of the year. So we'll see. And then the other one is that uh, new Chevelle song dropped. Uh, Chevelle being, of course, one of the better of the radio rock, radio alt metal bands of the early 2000s. They've been pretty active since they dropped wonder what's next so it's pretty cool to hear them still dropping music that's good and uh, this song was called self-destructor aside for the the mix that 
we talked about, boys, um, Song Bangs. Song is really good, and um, I'm hoping for an album from them that will keep up with this because, man, I really, I really like that song. I've gotten quite a few plays of it uh, since yesterday. Yeah, and I think it has potential to be their third best album, maybe. Um, maybe second. I, I love the single a lot so far. Truly Chicago's finest. <laughs> is it? Is it not? Is it not disturbed? Sorry, disturbed. Not anymore. Not anymore. Gr- we grew up. Like <laughs> we grew up, and they just stayed where they were. Sometimes I'm down with a sickness. This week, Chip Spanner had a new, I think, a set of songs. Maybe just one song came out. No, it was two songs. If you've never heard him before, he's like uh, one of those one-man bands that we'll be talking about tonight and like prog metal and all that he's done a lot of work with other progressive metal bands and stuff too so yeah still active and then uh the grammys were postponed they were supposed to happen at the end of this month january 31st they're being pushed until march 14th of this year due to pandemic and logistical challenges they're probably having trouble uh counting all the votes for power trip could be there was a recount (laughs) <laughs> was was Power Trip nominated? I think they were. I think they were nominated for best rock album, best metal probably, or best metal, yeah. And then I think also as well, the singer of Power Trip, uh, he had a guest spot on the Body Count mm-hmm. record, mm-hmm. and I think that also got nominated too. So it did, yeah. Two two nominations. Rip Riley, good to see him getting uh, the recognition he deserves. As far as my music news goes. Um, the first one I'll bring up is uh, Jay sent us a nice Instagram post of Entheos uh, tracking drums, and shortly after that video, um, it was reported that Entheos is working on a follow-up to their album Dark Future, and then their single that they put out last year, uh, Remember You Are Dust, so pretty excited about that release. Brand of Sacrifice also released their second single, which is the title track, Lifeblood. Their album is coming out on March 5th uh, this year, so pretty sure that we'll be reviewing that one. And then uh, last but not least, Alexi Leho from Children of Bodom uh, did also pass. Um, he's had some health concerns over the past couple of years and um, not necessarily sure what happened, but um, you know, uh, for me, I listened to a lot of Children of Bodom when I was around 16, 17. Uh, learned a lot of those songs on guitar, and those were a lot of the first times learning how to shred. Um, it was pretty much Metallica and Children of Bodom, you know, that kind of taught me to learn lead stuff. So uh, that one kind of hit a little bit hard for me. I don't know if you guys listen to Children of Bodom at all, but that was a pretty difficult one for me. They were obviously very super influential and and just long-standing household names when it came to the genre. Definitely sucks. Uh, thoughts go out to the family and friends, obviously the band as well. Uh, we got three albums tonight, as usual. Uh, these are all albums that have recently celebrated some sort of anniversary. Did, did we do 10 years for all of them? Was it 10 year on all of them? Yeah. Yes, okay. it was. 10 years... 10 years sponsored by Liquid Death. Yeah. And Goose Island. And White Claw, baby. <laughs> Good catch. So my pick for this week was uh, an album by the one-man group Cloud Kicker. That is Ben Sharp's solo pro or probably, only, I guess, only project. I don't really know if Ben does anything other than Cloud Kicker, uh, unless it's, like, maybe 
uh, like soundtrack work. I would could see him doing stuff like that. But uh, Ben does he kind of pi not would you Jay would you say he kind of like pioneered like what modern instrumental gent stuff is at this point? He most certainly had a hand in shaping it yeah Mm -hmm. when you talk about like full-on pioneers of that genre like obviously misha mansoor changed the way that people approach self-recording and self-produced music and i think that ben was there to be like that early wave of people who were like kind of latched onto that and made a name for themselves releasing their own music that they literally just recorded in their bedroom right with ben with cloud kicker ben whatever uh he came out with an album called the discovery in 2008 and that definitely was a defining moment i feel like for the either solo or just like jay said like home recorded instrumental gent bands um but the one we're talking about tonight is beacons which in my opinion is his best work to date just a little backstory about cloud kicker pretty prolific artist has put out a, a a whole mess of albums a whole mess of eps and he's definitely you know experimented with different sounds throughout his uh his tenure as a musician kind of starting off with the very atmospheric gent sound and then almost immediately after beacons dropped an album called let yourself be huge which was very much a stripped down ambient uh like acoustic pretty album that had really no heaviness on it at all then he's also kind of dabbled in more of a loop centric kind of almost electronic sound where he's just done a lot of like loop manipulation to create other albums and eps in his discography so he's very interesting there's quite a lot to to sift through in his discography and there's pretty much something for everybody uh if you're into rhythm centric music his stuff is definitely not super shreddy or anything like that. It's very focused on the the beat and the uh, like the rhythm behind everything that's going on. Like we said, Beacons is the uh, the album that celebrated ten years. Uh, I think in October of last year, and so that was kind of why I wanted to pick it. It's definitely the one that continues to get a lot of playtime in my rotations of albums. Uh, it's a bit of a concept album talking about a black box recording type thing of a of a flight that was going down the whole album again being instrumental does still feel a lot of emotion and tell quite a bit of story it does stick to the the formula of his typical album his typical just like one cool breakdown riff that's repeated and kind of explored and you know drawn out to be these like five minute songs but on this one, there's a lot of experimentation in sound design and atmosphere and ambience. And there's just some really cool parts to this one that I think were really unique and really interesting for Cloud Kicker. Uh, first thing I just wanted to talk about with this one is the guitar tone. Obviously, bedroom recording gent musicians tend to have pretty standard guitar tones with what you'd expect but i do like the way it sounds on this one i really like kind of the fuzziness of his guitars on a lot of these songs they sound a little less like in your face heavy and a little bit more just i don't know shoegaze fuzzy like heavy shoegaze fuzziness at times but talking about like the mix and the production ben's really good at that stuff i feel like he always has been and on this one it definitely shows uh all the instruments sound really good they fit where they need to nothing really clips over the other or or overshines anything the only real thing is that obviously which was kind of really plaguing his early work um is that the drums do sound very 
programmed. They don't sound too natural most of the time, but that is something that I think just took him time to get better at because now on his more recent releases, they definitely sound much more realistic, if not actually being recorded. Because I do know Ben can play drums as well, if I'm not mistaken. Or he has the dudes from Intronaut doing it. Like, So yeah, the reason I like this one so much is uh, it's very emotional. There's a lot of like emotion going in it, and it's, uh, it's 11 songs, it's 43 minutes. I'm not really going to go through everything just because it kind of works in passages, less as like individual songs. But I do want to talk about my favorite song on the album, which is Push It Way Up, because there is this part in the song, like right around the uh, three minute mark. And it does this thing. There's this concept in sound design and like soundtracks and shit. And a lot of movies do this a lot where there's a, I don't know what the name of it is, and Jay or Bijan might actually know the name of it, but it's when a note f- sounds like it's never, it always ascends, and it never stops ascending, and he does that in this song, and it's really fucking cool to hear it in the way that it fits in, not only where it fits in the album as a whole, but where it fits in the song, and... I don't know that it, that always that song always just really stuck with me because it's so monotonous, but it sounds so nice and it, it the the payoff of it is really good. So push it way up is definitely a highlight here. I also think we're going in, we're going down is probably a, a classic cloud kicker track right there. In between, like I admit it now, I was scared, and it's just a wide open field. Uh, are two very cool like kind of breather tracks that are just kind of ambient and pretty, but they offer a lot of countered balance to the uh, aggression of this album so yeah I, I just really like this one i've always really liked this one out of everything that he's put out i felt like this one definitely told the most story and painted the most like vivid imagery given that it's just instrumental music yeah that's funny you should say that like one of the first notes i wrote down really was how this is still a really great example of instrumental storytelling within the metal genre. I mean, really, all you have to go on is the music and the song titles and the album cover, and it still creates and paints a picture of, like, the story that you're witnessing being played out throughout the record. You know, Cloud Kicker's sound has been kind of mimicked to death and then, like, brought back to life and then to death again. But, like, back in 2010 and even like those couple of years before, it was really fresh sounding at that time. I remember being, you know, really intrigued by uh, the two releases prior to this from Cloud Kicker, which were The Discovery, like you mentioned, and then he had an EP that came out called Portmanteau, which was also very good. Um, but the problem with those was, frankly, that they just, they sounded like shit. You know, and in his defense, I guess everybody kind of did back then. <laughs> we were self-producing, you know, we were all kind of like learning a whole new world. The technology was better than where it had been but still not great for a lot of things especially for people who didn't have sophisticated ways to record their guitars or program drums or whatever um but even just the the actual production of tone and stuff then too was not anywhere near where it is today yeah guitar modeling did more or less didn't exist until the xfx came around and made it accessible for everyone and yeah before that if you didn't have a cab and a mic then you were probably using some crappy software like Mm -hmm. guitar rig that sounded pretty fake so most of that stuff is not a problem on this album um the the song that i wrote down that as my biggest highlight was also (laughs) um 
push it way up, which out of all the tracks that I liked on this one, that one is probably my favorite as well. The sensation you're referring to, Matt, is called the shepherd tone, <clears throat> where it's a just That's like a cyclical is, yeah. kind of ascension um, that gives this like illusion of it, the so- tone just going up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this guitar that glides in and sort of slides from one note to the other, and it never really like starts or ends. It just sort of hums its way in unnoticed. And there are other elements of like post rock and things throughout this record that you know gives the album the ability to kind of switch between genres. We talk about how important storytelling is to this record and like how using music and just music alone, really aside from, you know, what you have in front of your little like, you know, CD booklet as a device to tell the story. Cloud Kicker kind of uses uh, different genres to affect to like kind of create, you know, changes in scenery or or moods and it breaks up the music really nicely throughout the record and yeah overall i mean it's got a bunch of really catchy uh riffs and like i talked about how this sound got mimicked to death and like you probably have heard a thousand records by now that sound just like this like this again like you kind of put it in the context of like back in 2010 this was really Uh really refreshing sounding and big big time trendsetter for the genre yeah for sure it was cool to like go back and listen to this record because like it, it kind of reminded me to go back to listen to like an album like this and then also the discovery as well which i haven't really listened to in quite some time and then you know cloud kicker put out an album last year so this you know it, it's cloud kicker is always putting out something so i always kind of look at the most recent thing and i never go back to a lot of the original releases just kind of remembering and reminiscing of old times of where I listened to these things was just really kind of refreshing to kind of listen to because I remember you know random walks that I went to back when this first came out and you know kind of put me in a good headspace the the first thing uh, that I kind of want to bring up is the fact that push it way up is all on our top list Um, that's the song that definitely jumps out and I think that that's like the song that I would recommend for everyone to check out on this album because it is seven minutes and it's how instrumental music has a a way of like not being boring or repetitive or anything like that um i think most of the time when you show like people instrumental music it's a lot of simplicity and um repetitive riffs or it's like animals as leaders where it's too complicated for people to understand so i feel like a song like that is like probably one of the bright spots on the album and a bright spot for instrumental music as well, um, because it's not like overly lead solos and all over the place. It's just kind of a nice like um, mood in general, and I think that anyone can listen to that song. Um, but yeah, mostly um, this was just a really good album to kind of go back and listen to after I haven't listened to it in quite some time. I like what you said about. Um kind of the like complicated nature of a lot of instrumental music too because on this one he does still do that because like obviously ben does some weird shit he does some weird shit on a lot in throughout the discography of cloud kicker like ben will do these weird and i don't even know if he actually plays them because i know or no it's the drums that it's the drums on like the discovery and stuff that intronaut was like it's impossible to play this fucking song (laughs) (laughs) like well, even a lot of like the the finger tap stuff too, mm-hmm. like you know, like that, like they're not overly complicated, right? Like they they still sound like something that like maybe like a band like Mars Volta could pull off, mm-hmm. and like Mars Volta is like a a very like commercially kind of appealing band in a way. Yeah, 
You think so? Sometimes. Yeah, I think they're. Yes. I think they're pretty. I feel like those guys go off the deep end sometimes, which is like I love it, but <laughs> I don't know if it's commercially viable. They make, they make music for both sides. Yeah. I'm playing they make music both for sides. both sides. I, I... The Mars Volta is a band that appeals to radio rock people and mm-hmm. people who wish they were still at the drive-in. So. <laughs> Perfectly said. Me being a bigger fan of At the Drive-In, so uh, I never really got too into the Mars Volta. It's too bad. But oh. I do love At the Drive-In. We're not doing that on this episode. <laughs> mm, maybe yeah. Next time. But um, <laughs> we should have an arguments episode. That's a... Jay and I could definitely <laughs> debate <carry> that shit. <laughs> but no, so like you said, I do think that uh, it's cool that... I actually am happy that we all agreed on Push It Way Up because that song is just... It's a great track and... So um, I think the last things. Are we rating these? I don't. I didn't rate any of them because it's like we're just kind of. I wrote down a rating, but I, I don't care to share it if you don't. I wrote down a rating for each album, but uh, we're not yeah, really review. Yeah, we're not like reviewing to. them. We're kind of just like bringing them Talking to light. Them. Yeah, if anyone hasn't ever heard of them, if you like instrumental music, if you like shit that you can kind of just vibe to and like shut your brain off and just groove to i mean cloud kicker in general is great for that because a bigger reason why this was on for tonight anyway too is because cloud kicker was my number one uh artist for 2020 on spotify my rap because work from home like all i did was listen to like a lot like the majority of shit i listened to was electronic or or uh instrumental music and cloud kicker was kind of my go-to every week for just needing to plug in focus and get my shit done and i feel like almost anything out of his discography is good for that because it's repetitive enough to get you in a mindset of focus but it's interesting enough still to not be boring at any point for sure before we move on, I do have a question for both of you. I've always heard of Cloud Kicker from other musicians, and um, I was wondering how you guys heard of Cloud Kicker. Oh, I think oh. I discovered him on a um, blog when I would illegally steal music. Yeah, I know. I discovered the dis- I I discovered the discovery first, but that was how I got into cloud kicker i remember finding the discovery uh i think on a blog as well because that was kind of how i got all the music that i didn't know already of i would just troll through what was that main one was it heavy blog is heavy well that was that was one of them i don't remember what was like i don't know the main it's hard to remember i had so many i know yeah that was so (laughs) long ago like i didn't even remember that name until matt just mentioned it (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I remember getting on those sites all the fucking time and getting the, uh, what was the it? Media the media fire The file. media fire links. Yeah, the media fire links. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I just, I remember it was on a blog and I, honestly, I don't even know what made me download it because I usually downloaded albums based on the album artwork and the Discovery's album artwork is kind of weird but god i found it because i love i love that album too it doesn't look like a metal album that's for sure no not at all looks like you were about to listen to finch or something (laughs) honestly uh but yeah cloud kicker beacons uh cool little 43 minute post rock post gent pre-gent post metal i don't know what you want to call it but it's uh it's good it's got a lot of emotion to it so get yourself some feels while you headbang too we we crying and headbanging boys let's fucking go uh so i think jay you're going next with your uh your pick for this week yeah okay so for my pick this week uh i have nostalgia ultra by frank ocean 
So Nostalgia Ultra was released February 16th, 2011, so it's not quite 10 years yet. Uh, this was the first official mixtape released by Christopher Bro under the pseudonym Frank Ocean. Uh, at that time, he'd been gaining a lot of attention around LA, writing music for Beyonce, John Legend, uh, I think Justin Bieber, and obviously for his partnership with Tyler, the Creator, and Odd Future. But so this this album came out with critical acclaim and hype kind of behind it. Uh, it is a mixtape. So bear that in mind because there's actually a couple of tracks on here that are rewritten songs. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, specifically yeah. the uh, Hotel California and uh, Electric Feel by MGMT. <laughs> uh, last couple tracks on this are they're basically just rewritten songs. Um, to which he he got a little bit of heat from I think the Eagles. <laughs> uh, whoops, but did, yeah, did so, he get did he get sued for that? I thought he did. Uh, he got sued. I think it got thrown out because it's a mixtape and legally he didn't make any money on it a mixtape is released for free right yeah, right they yeah. were arguing the fact that every time that it gets played that they should basically get paid for it yeah and he did perform it live too i think which was probably a mistake but yeah uh i think the eagles weren't particularly big fans of that i don't think mgmt cared too much <laughs> but uh yeah this was really the first taste of frank ocean that most people got uh, who weren't listening to Odd Future right off the bat. Like, you get a taste of some of his ability to kind of switch between different stylings of um, R&B and pop and hard to pin it down into a genre sometimes. Um, there's also kind of a running theme that shows up first on this, on this mixtape, but then sort of you'll see it again on his two later LPs. In the background, you get a lot of like switching of tapes um, and just random noise sort of conversations going on in the background. And it's all supposed to create this atmosphere that the record is sort of going on in the room that, you know, you're sort of experiencing like or whatever. And that, that right, right. is the sensation you kind of get. And something similar happens on, yeah, like I said, on, on Channel Orange, which was his first full length album. You know, it's like a TV that's changing channels throughout the whole album. But the first actual real song on this is Strawberry Swing, the second track. Oh my God, such a fucking... Oh, uh, it's a great song. It's like... Uh, such a good song. It's got this, like, sort of California Beach Boys sun-soaked sort of uh, gloss over this, like, driving guitar strum. Um, yeah. There's not even really a beat. Like, it's just that's that's the rhythm. That's the whole rhythm. And, like, he does that a lot. Again, like throughout throughout his whole career, you start to see like all these little these little seeds planted in on this mixtape that he makes sort of hallmarks and really brings up to scale on like on his later releases. Novocaine is the second uh, track on that. That was one. That was probably the first song I think I ever heard from Frank Ocean, which is like just you know again a good example of his commercially viable R and B with his signature you know kind of smooth sound over it and. This was at the time, I think my most listened to song off of this mixtape, but I think it's sort of evident of my, my ever changing tastes over the years that it's like not really my favorite song anymore, but um, <laughs> it's still a good, still a good catchy song. Song six was another one I wrote down, which is called Songs for Women. It has a lot of like those recognizable kind of Frank Ocean tracks from later in his career, like Lost and uh, On Channel Orange or Pink and White on Blonde, that it, it has a lot of those same features with it, like, you know, dancey beats or melodies so yeah this was like laying the the table sort of for the future work that he would be putting out you see a lot of the techniques vocal stylings 
songwriting stylings, um, the ability to storytell is something that Frank Ocean has in spades. You know, you think about the fact that like he was a pretty young kid at the time when he was writing a lot of these songs. Like it was just sort of a gift that he had. Like he's just so talented in, in his ability to write write songs that tell stories and like so seamlessly interweave. Uh, both of those aspects into his music. It's not a perfect mixtape. You know, there's um, there are songs that maybe kind of fall by the wayside that I haven't really ever listened to since like the first time I listened to it. But definitely the singles off of this are still just as good as I remember them. But I'm actually, I'm kind of curious. Bijan, I, I don't know when your uh, relationship with this music started or like how you even feel about it for the most part. So I'm kind of curious. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so like for me, like I've only really heard like Frank Ocean and Odd Future and then I've heard Blonde. So this was like the first time I actually like listened to this record. I kind of see where like this would have been like something I probably would have like listened to a lot in 2011. It's not that it's like aged poorly or anything like that. Kind of the like general nostalgia of like going through a record like this is going through the battles of seeing them fight with the Eagles and all of that fun stuff. Like I feel like I've, I've missed out a lot of, on this record and like reading about it I'm like oh man that would have been cool uh, <laughs> back in the day. I, I like a lot of this album. Just some quick honorable mentions uh I'd like two songs on the record uh swim good and dust those were two songs that i i feel like i would have been blasting back in the day especially like swim good um everything about that song is just a really good vibe the song that i really liked a lot was strawberry swing that song just it's, it's gorgeous um and then you even get like the like the cold play uh snippet in the song that just makes it you know, send it over the top, and it's just really hard to replicate a lot of those moments. You know, and then the song in general, too, is super relatable because it's like, you know, Frank, like, reminiscing um, about a time with, like, a childhood friend, and then just, mm -hmm. you know, expanding on the scenario, you know, having memories and, you know, them being destroyed and whatever, so it's, it's kind of just, like, a really good song in general. I think it's probably the strongest song lyrically on the album as well so i mean that's probably going to be a song that's in my rotation it's just weird to kind of have that 10 years <laughs> later from a 10 year old <laughs> song sure. or 10, yeah jay you introduced me to frank ocean for sure i mean aside from listening to odd future and obviously hearing frank in some of those songs uh really getting into channel orange and stuff was because of you telling me to listen to it and i mean to this day pyramids is still one of my favorite songs ever uh that song is just perfect in every way but i actually hadn't listened to this in so long that i forgot it even existed <laughs> and when you like put it in the chat it it flooded me with just like whoa holy shit like i forgot about this so listening to it was kind of cool because it was kind of like i didn't remember a lot of it from when I listened to it way back in the day. So it was kind of nice to be able to experience this again in a somewhat same mindset of like the first time I listened to it. But it, like you said, Jay, I think it's interesting because you listen to this, you'd hear a lot of, like you said, the seeds being planted of what makes Frank's sounds so identifying uh, in his work now. There's a lot of experimentation in the R&B and the pop and even like you said, some of like the more rock alternative uh, dabblings that he does that you hear especially a lot in Channel Orange. Frank was always one of the 
the highlights in my opinion it was for me the highlights of odd future aside from tyler of course but like the highlights of odd future were always frank and earl it's it was it was tight to see both of them obviously go on and do really cool things with their brand of whatever they were doing yeah i don't know it's just it was cool to hear this again and uh novocaine like you said is just such a good song even if it's still if it's different now than how it felt like back in 10 years ago listening to it it's still such a really well written song and i think the lyrical content on this doesn't like the lyrical content as a whole on this album like i really like the song was it love crime love crimes yeah it was love crime love crimes i really like that song too and for being 10 years old old of an album and frank being what at the time probably like was he early 20s if not younger than that yeah maybe like 21 yeah his lyrics weren't ever bad like he always had a really strong hand for writing very emotive and descriptive and and just enjoyable to to digest there's a lot of imagery right like Mm -hmm. it's always Mm -hmm. it's always like conjuring up some kind of like picture just through a few words like he's just really good at being able to help you picture where he's at and stuff right it's also not very like literal at times too because i feel like you can really interpret a lot of his songs songs like love crimes and novocaine i know novocaine you basically know is just about sex but like other songs on this like you kind of go through it being like is it like on this side of the spectrum like with love crime is it on the spectrum of like him being fucked with and being hurt or is it like him being like in love and like he's very good at keeping things relatable to almost any situation and i've always liked frank's lyrics being that way you can put yourself in them for whatever kind of thing you're experiencing as well so yeah i don't know there was there's really not a whole lot to say like you said aside from just that but it's cool to listen to especially when you know if you're a fan of frank ocean and you've never listened to this mixtape i would i think we'd all highly recommend it and it's cool kind of just to see first like soiree into his brand of r&b and pop and hip-hop and everything that he kind of is about now i love this one i've always loved this one and i was glad like i said i've always loved it when i listened to it before and then just forgot about it and it was it was tight it was really tight listening to it again so yeah yeah, you've heard it here first uh whether you are a huge fan of it rediscovering it or discovering it for the first time this album's pretty fucking dope but it's also not an album yeah <laughs> for his own legal purposes we're gonna call for, it yeah for, 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 that's for, right. for frankie ocean that's uh, right eagles leave him alone <laughs> you eagles leave him alone <laughs> also if you've never listened to uh what was the song uh off of the odd future was it volume two the last song that they're all on and frank's verse on it is like oh uh is gold, it gold boy gold, goldie gold oldies oh no goldies i think it's Bumping goldie. oldies on my cellular phone yeah that's, yeah. that's frank's line yeah, yeah it's oldies that yeah. is uh that's a great track that his song verse is, and that was amazing yeah check that out it's like the closing track on the second odd future uh collection his his verse on that is still whew top tier i don't know if i have anything to close out really with this other than yeah i think we we both we all kind of feel the same way i'm just you you want me to close it out for you are you going to sure let me do it all right do it (laughs) um cool cool part and this is the last thing that we'll bring up about the eagles and (laughs) 
Um, the Eagles are a band that listened to this and wanted to sue Frank Ocean. Um, as for Coldplay, uh, Coldplay actually listened to this and invited Frank Ocean on tour with them. So, um, kind of shows you how cool the music industry can be uh, when everyone's not being sharks. That's the closing out. Yeah, whatever. Uh, last album we're talking about tonight is Bijan's pick, and it's one that I feel like was pretty formative for the three of us. So it's a good one to talk about. Hell yeah. The last one on the show um, is Guiltzer Anniversary on March 8th, uh, 2011, is the Human Abstract Digital Veil. This is the first album that sees the return of A.J. Minette to the uh, the band. Uh, Travis Richer also comes on there. If you're familiar with that name, he was in a band called From First to Last. He was a guitarist and backup vocalist, but this album he actually comes on and does full vocals um, and not just screams, he does cleans as well. This album was produced by Will Putney before Will Putney became... Will fucking Putney, uh, who's really goddamn hard to, you know, basically work with at this point. Before we, like, break down into the album and stuff like that, um, scrolling through the Wikipedia, um, I found a really cool story. You know, basically how the recording process went with Will Putney. There's a story when the band was working with him at the machine shop on July 1st during the production. Will Putney suffered a serious head injury. Uh, which ended up giving him 57 staples in his head. He went to go buy cigarettes. He called Dean from the band uh, and told him to bring down some paper towels because he was bleeding. He went down the stairs, uh, found him. The bang on the floor, recording after the, fin- like the 57 um, they staples basically being rushed him to the hospital. AJ Manette uh, said that most normal men uh, would have been sidelined for a while, but... With Will's work ethic, uh, the dedication of the job sep- separates him from the rest. So I have even more respect for the album um, than I did back in 2011, just based off that. This is, album, for me, is definitely one of my favorites. I've always felt that it's super underrated, um, especially because, you know, the band came out with an album like Nocturne, and that was such a huge album for a lot of people. You know, no matter how many people I told back in the day when this album came out that it was a really good record, a lot of people still remember the iconic opening riff from Vela, Together We Await the Storm, and never really wanted to check this album out and kind of wrote the band off. So I always kind of felt bad, and, you know, I'm bringing it to the show with two people that I know like the album just as much as me. So, um... Yeah, let's hear what you guys got to say about the album. Real quick, I'm actually going to let Matt start us off, but other than the Vela thing, um, I feel like most people also remembered their second album, yeah. which came oh, out yeah. just before this one, in yeah. which AJ was not a part of the band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was wonderful. Yeah, that's, that is, yeah, you're right, Jay. Uh, that is a big reason why this band was written off at a certain point as well. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah i don't shit i think this was again uh a band that jay showed me because jay you and i started hanging out around 2008 probably right maybe 2009 who's to say who's to say <laughs> yeah most of the uh more prog or like this kind of metal music was introduced to me from jay and i know jay introduced me to this band 
And I remember hearing the title track on this for the first time and just really everything about this album from the, like you said, the production to the riffs on it to the songwriting, maybe not so much the lyrics most of the time, but uh, even the lyrics on this aren't too bad. Would disagree, but I, we'll get into that. Yeah, same. Uh, there's just there's some <laughs> lyrics on this one that just make me laugh, but I do like everything about this album as a whole. It definitely inspired a lot of what I like now, and I think, again, kind of talking about not necessarily pioneers of the genre, but especially for a band that, like Jay said, had an album right before it that was one to forget, uh, this is definitely one that is worth listening to and it still holds up to this day i i'm listening i listen to this thing a lot throughout the last couple years anyway there's a lot of cool stuff on here the breakdown centric stuff to the technical uh, lead parts to even some stuff i think antebellum is the one that has like the acoustic guitars in it and everything that are just very well put together and pretty for me holographic sight was always my favorite one on this album I just fucking love that song. Patterns, the closing track, is also a really good one. It's so hard to kind of like break this one down without doing like track by track or even at some points like riff by, you know, riffs and shit. I think the thing that stands out the most is this. Obviously, this, the album's called Digital Veil. You look at the album artwork. It, I feel like this whole night's been about imagery and stuff. And the way everything is put together on this album, it feels like how the album artwork looks. It feels very like cold and and futuristic, and there's like there's these moments on it, like in Digital Veil or in uh, I think it was Holographic Sight too, where the way the guitars, whether it be like through production and and maybe just like some synths going on in the background to kind of create these atmospheres, but there's just this like feeling with how everything meshes together that feels very digital and like kind of robotic and the the space is filled very nicely by this otherworldly feeling that i've never really been able to pin down but i know if you listen to it you feel it and you hear it so yeah i don't know i love this album it's always been very kind of formative for me as a heavier musician it still holds up to this day because listening to it over the last few days i was like fuck this still this still slaps i still love this i'm still in my car just like banging out to it and screaming along to like fucking pull me from the gallows like i fucking love that shit yeah it's iconic i have listened to this album more than any of the three we've talked about tonight probably back in like 2011 and 2012 i was putting the most spins on this thing but every every year i feel like i come back to it at some point and um listen to it again i like every song on the album maybe a good way to sort of sum up if you've never heard what this band's music sounds like i i used to take to describing it to people as like okay so imagine if guitars were written for a four string quartet which was exactly how they were written uh set it to progressive metal metalcore and then um took the singer from muse matt bellamy and threw him in the band too which travis richter might hate that comparison but like there are parts where most definitely i feel like the uh comparison is pretty apt that's that mishmash might sound like kind of ridiculous but it turns into a pretty great product on this record and unfortunately just this record i wish to god that this band hadn't kind of fizzled out after this because while this isn't like a perfect record it's damn close and like just kind of a shame to like not hear what else they would have put out um with this lineup because i feel like this lineup was extremely extremely strong that being said aj carries a lot of the load here between his like songwriting dean writes a lot of the um 
his own guitar parts, I believe. But for the most part, the song construction came from AJ, as does the lyrics. Um, so he wrote almost everything on this a- album, which is kind of insane. And yeah, lyrically, like I feel like it's it still holds up today. A lot of it is, uh, you know, borderline political. Yeah, like, <laughs> like it's just almost like right on the fucking nose. But um, you know, it talks about the 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 song "Digital Veil" specifically talks about like the disconnect and the shield that we put up to um, avoid personal human interaction. And there are other songs on this that criticize government and government figureheads and like people's willingness to follow everything that they've been taught throughout history and rather than question things for themselves and but yeah it's 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 just an unbelievable record like so consistent through every song you can't really say enough good things about the production either because yeah the guitars just sound it's it's a really loud album i guess in the sense that like the the drums are really compressed but they all hit very evenly still so it just it sounds um it sounds really full all the time and like there's there are all sorts of really cool like drum fills and stuff that uh eat up a bunch of the sonic space but like it it just like i love the sound of the toms on this album i love the sound like the that sort of tape smashed cymbal sound too whenever they're like um going through like a big cymbal part or just like riding a china during a breakdown or something and obviously like we're saying this is probably the only album in their discography that holds up Something interesting about this one is AJ, while recording this, also recorded the Moonlight Sonata that he did. That EP, I think it's dropped like right afterward in February of the following year. You can definitely hear how you said it, where it's like the the music being written and kind of composed to be played by like a quartet, you know. You hear the same kind of vibes on his Moonlight Sonata redo and it's just really cool. He's such a genius with the way he writes music and I 100% agree that it would have been dope to see these guys continue on with this lineup and see what else could have come from the human abstract. Did this come out around the same time as the, the one from the heart machine also? I feel, I feel like the heart machine was a year later. Is it 2012? The end of the world. (laughs) Huh, that's right. That did happen. I mean, like, the, the thing with, like, Moonlight is that uh, I feel like that, that album is, like, really harsh. Uh, I feel like it's a it's a very sharp-sounding thing. I didn't even know that Will Putney even recorded that as well. It, it's, it's so great to hear, but at the same time, it sounds really sharp and, like, really, really, really tense on the ears. Right, like, the guitars right. come off really, really edgy to me, so... But I mean, other than that, it's really good. You know, it'd, it'd be dope if they did a, a 10 year anniversary tour of this album because obviously. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah. How about 10 year live stream? Let's sell that one. Because <laughs> I'd love to hear this stuff live. Um, I'd love to hear it be played again, but it's not, it'll never happen. Man, I used to scour YouTube for um, just for videos of them playing these songs live all the time. Oh, same, same. And what, even when they were. I think even when they were supposed to tour for this album, that tour got canceled, I think. Um, another thing I want to kind of bring up, like, uh, just to kind of go on a little bit more of what, like, Jay said, um, with, you know, like, a lot of this album being, like, such a good lineup, 
bringing up the drums, for instance, and how they're like super compressed. Um, this lineup was so good that I feel like everyone was fighting to be like kind of like overheard in the mix, and that's probably why it's so loud. Um, you know, one of the big things about the drums on the first album from the Human Abstract, like Nocturne, their drummer did so much on that record that it's like kind of ridiculous to even think that someone has that kind of memory to do that kind of like drum fills and, you know, assemblage and all that good fun stuff. And like on you listen to the second record and their drummer literally was just doing like Metallica beats and he was just kind of bored. So I feel like a lot of the the drums on this record was kind of like a a child waiting to be uncaged or something. Like he was just oh my God, all over what, the fucking child place. is in a cage. Holy shit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Billy Corgan. <laughs> <laughs> Rats in a cage. Oh, that's right, Rat in the Cage. Um, yeah. anyways. <laughs> now I'm um, gonna hear that song every time and think spite all my rage, I'm still just a kid in a cage. <laughs> I try my best not to listen to Pumpkins anymore, man. Anywho, the drums on that record, um, I feel like are just, you know, kind of, him, kind of him speaking for the voice that he didn't have on that second record. And then AJ coming back and being in the band. And then also Dean giving some of the best rhythm guitars that I think uh, I've ever heard, you know. Um, and then just in general, Travis being a vocalist who's never really had like a, a clean voice um as well he's always been like kind of the backup harsh vocalist kind of guy and i think that everybody just wanted to be heard on this record and that kind of leads to a lot of the loudness that jay was talking about Mm -hmm. yeah that's a fair point i do i do want to talk about how like us all being been in the same band at one point you know Uh it's I feel like, well, I'm saying, I feel like this album was very influential on some of the shit that we wrote. Like, Almost certainly. Yeah. Jay, for guitars, no doubt. Yeah. The guitars, for sure. Some of the, some of the shit I was trying to do with, like, the, like, synth stuff, I was trying to emulate some of that, like, kind of loud digital sound that we were, you, like, I was talking about that I heard on here, even if it's not something that was necessarily produced or genuinely keyboard centric like there was just this filled like you said like this very wide full sound on this album as a whole that i certainly tried to emulate sometimes when we were doing our sets just think it's cool that we all found a lot of influence from this same album you know around the same time also yeah i think there was there was a uh, collection of albums that came out like i said around this time where like just kind of one after another, like really great progressive metal or like stuff that we were just all really into at the time too. Like the discovery from born of Osiris was coming out around that time, which was like another album that didn't have such a great guitar tone, but it was still a pretty yeah. rocking album yeah. <laughs> to go back to what Bijan said when you first started talking about this, like definitely sort of a forgotten gem in the genre too. I sure never gained the steam that, um, it deserved i feel like and yeah maybe you can attribute it to uh people's preconceived notions of the band and their their sound from previous albums or whatever and like it's a shame to see see it forgotten about in any way because yeah there's just so much to like on this record and whether you're a fan of like metal uh if you appreciate classical music um because this is very grounded in classical obviously with uh aj being at the helm it's just a good aggressive 
and melodic metalcore album you know one of the best one of the one of the like sort of archetypes you know something else about the something else about this one talking about just being so influential or should should be being so influential is like any bands that want to try to emulate this like one of the biggest things to try to focus on too is the the use they're they're so good at writing transitions between riffs and parts on this like everything just flows from one movement and passage to the next like that that's something that so easily plagues all of these kind of like melodic metalcore prog metalcore bands is like i mean we've always laughed about bands like structures and shit like that which really don't fit the same bill but i feel like a lot of bands that kind of try to emu- tried to emulate this sound it was like that where it was just okay like let's write really classically inspired or really intricate you know lead riffs and shit but there was no focus on transition so it was always just like here's a riff here's a riff here's a breakdown here's a riff here's a breakdown but here everything just really flows so nicely even when it's supposed to be you know abrupt and and kind of static and or not static but stagnant or jesus wrong word again uh staggered like you've got riffs on this that are very angular and and kind of all over the place but they still find their way back to where it should be in like a groove or the time signature like naturally like there's no there's no real stop to anything it's just very yeah well and i mean you could totally attribute that to like aj's ability to like keep a song like keep a song structure in mind and not get too carried mm-hmm. away with like one thing or another. Like you see that in complex terms, which is like the first full Real track on song, the album. Yeah. You see that in Antebellum. Um, I think multiple times where it has this sort of stop go mo- movements, um, where like it goes loud and abruptly into a quiet part, and like vice, you know, does that a multiple times. But like never does it feel like the song isn't progressing and flowing. It doesn't feel like you're being like the rugs being yanked out underneath you. you just feel like okay, this is like. It just sort of, yeah, it settles. I don't know. Everything about it is really calculated. And is it complex terms or is it Faust? Is it Faust or that has the like breakdown part that's just kind of like the really quick taps that like are super like staccato? It's like, oh, that's it's like a it's little a little half little sweep run, half sweeps, yeah, or digital veil. Yeah, that part is so cool (laughs) in the way that that there's there's so many things on this record that like you just don't hear in like modern music. Like, it, it definitely disappeared. And, like, even at this time, too, like, you know, like, there were a lot of t-shirt mall mall core, like, you know, type of bands that were just literally going for, like, the sound bites. And, you know, even with, like, like the human abstract, like, going for, like, you know, t-shirt design ideas, like, they still, like, kind of did the whole thing where they did the whole like we gain our knowledge fed to us with the plastic spoon or you're gonna get me off and like those like they they got a lot of those ideas better than a lot of bands like suicide silence or something yeah i always found it funny to see human abstract shirts in hot topic and stuff like yeah for sure and right next to the fucking white chapel and devil wears prada like pink and green shirts like there's a human abstract one just chilling mm-hmm. there like what the fuck i wish i would have bought one back in the day because i know me I too know none of their merch and it's very yeah. sad because i love this we band, both have so. the songbook though for this album right this is true yes yeah shouts out to sheet 
happens. Sheet, Sheet happens. Yeah. Favorite favorite song. Favorite song. Oh, la- uh, favorite song. Let's see. Um, it's it's kind of a toss up between uh complex terms and patterns. You know, like complex terms being such a relatable song. Uh, right now with you know a lot of shit that happens. You know, um, and going over like politics and education and like just so much shit (laughs) like um i i would honestly say that like that song is heavy on me for sure and it's a song i could relate to a lot um but then you know patterns just being a song where it deals with like you know ego and self-doubt and then also just a song that like in general just has you know um some of my favorite like guitar parts and then also just starting out with the drum fill and everything it just hits differently um so I, those are the two songs for me right now that i i would say are my two favorites sick music video too for patterns yeah yeah uh mine always since i first discovered this album was holographic sight and listening to it again this week and everything it still stays the same holographic sight's just such a cool fucking song and uh i've always I always was drawn to that one. If I wasn't listening to the whole album in like a playthrough, I put I put that song on. Um, but listening to this again, kind of more deeply, is probably for the first time in quite a while. Patterns also still holds up, still one of my favorites. But yeah, Holographic Sight was always my go-to for this album. Yeah, funny story about uh, Holographic Sight actually is the the song's entirely written in the whole tone scale. And I think AJ Minnette did a couple of like interviews about it, like when they were recording or had already finished the album about how that song. And then I think Digital Veil too is written in like um, some other scale, like octatonic or something where it's like, like he sort of limited himself by saying, okay, this song is going to be written entirely in this scale and at this speed. And like, that was how he approached the songwriting process was just like giving himself rules for how to write it, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, my favorite on this album changes, I think every time, like every year, like once a year, I think more often than not, I always find myself coming back to horizon to Zenith as one of my favorites, um, which is a totally clean sung song. Yeah. Uh, I hold my knife in the air and like sing to the sea, uh, which is a great track for that. (laughs) And then, uh, patterns is always one of my favorites. Uh, antebellum is one of my favorites. I, I find that song when this, when the song hits, like it hits like immediately with like these sweeps and stuff. And it's just like the the clean singing alongside it. They're just like, Oh, what? (laughs) So, I th- I think there were a lot of days at band practice where like me and you were listening to Horizons and Antebellum a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I, it's hard to dislike a song on this album. I think they're all great. They're all great little babies. They're all great. TM. Yeah. This is this is one of those where probably like I I don't know if I if I had to rate this one I would probably put it like just shy of a ten out of ten, but like just a hair shy yeah and i don't even really know why not you know yeah i don't really know like what could be because like listening to it yeah like trying to see like trying to find faults in it like there's really nothing except for that at times it's like you said very loud but from just the standpoint of music and like the the songwriting and everything like it's it's it is 
it is as close to perfect as I think you can get. Maybe I don't really have a good reason not to give it a perfect rating. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I... I like I was gonna say, like I am curious, like if you don't think it's perfect, like what it what is it that kind of strikes you saying it's not? The only song that I, I don't actually listen to all that often is is Holographic Sight. I don't know what it is about that song, but like maybe it's just the pacing in the beginning and like. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. One of the things that brings me like to that song, because I mean, like that's one of those songs too that like when I first heard it, I was like, kind of like, eh, it's not the strongest song on the record, but then like. Just like that, that solo, like when when that hits, and then like when it like gets silent, and then there's that, mm-hmm. like I'm just like, oh man, oh, and yeah. then it just comes yeah. back in. Yeah, it's you're like, right. Like that's just just and, so sick. And, and in, general, <laughs> in general, like when I was learning like the like the sheet music part of like the I was like this is so fucking cool (laughs) (laughs) dude it's like yeah that song just has so much fucking dynamic and so many just weird like weird parts that just hit so hard every fucking time like holographic sight on this album is one of the few instances where like I've listened to an album for you know 10 years and that one song is always just like the go-to for me like if i want to listen to human abstract even if i want to listen to digital veil like front to back before i do that i listen to holographic sight then i start the album like but yeah three up three albums up three albums down like we do uh tonight we talked about cloud kicker with beacons uh we talked about frankie ocean with nostalgia ultra yeah, I got it. And then uh, we talked about Digital Veil by The Human Abstract, which really, if you haven't heard of any of these albums before, I would recommend, I think we'd all recommend all of them. We have no idea what we're doing next week, right? Not yet. So, uh, you know, maybe y'all should start giving us $5 on our uh, Patreon at uh, www.patreon.com slash podcast. You know, you throw five bucks at us and you can tell us what to listen to. Fucking have us listen to, like, I don't know the peppa pig album 10 out of 10 but yeah come back next week we'll be here uh we as always do the live stream on twitch uh anytime that works for all of us so it's a little bit inconsistent but if you follow us on twitter at the musical pod or on instagram at the musical podcast you will see that we go live you'll see when we go live and you can hang out with us uh, otherwise, listen to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. We are up on Spotify, Apple Music, Pocket Casts, and you can just find all of our links straight away at our Anchor FM account. Thanks for hanging out if you're live with us on Twitch. Thanks for listening to us uh, anytime you listen to us on the actual release of the episode. And uh, that's it. Thanks to my thanks thanks to you guys. That's what I was forgetting. Oh, thanks to you yeah. guys. Thanks, Bijan. Thanks, Jay. No problem, Rablo. This has been the Musical Podcast. We'll be back next week with three albums, whether they're new or if nothing cool comes out, we'll figure something out to talk about. Have yourselves a lovely week. Love you. Love you. Love you. <laughs>